Yo, woke fam, welcome back to the next episode of Primal Alchemy's Red Pill Initiation Hour, here with your host, Chris Story. So guys, here we are, episode 41 of the podcasts. Things are starting to pick up, really starting to progress. Really have you guys to appreciate and thank you for all of this starting to get more listeners. Hopefully you guys are spreading the word. I mean, anyone that I can reach from the individual level, scaled it up. It really does. Yeah, It makes me so grateful to have got myself into this position where I'm starting to yeah live my dream, which was always to wake the world up, help people help themselves, save yourself, save the world. And that is how we're going to do it together. So again, thank you so much. Please give me some feedback on this episode or episodes prior. And let me know. Let me know what's up. Drop me a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. If you're listening to this on Spotify, then hop on over to Instagram afterwards and hit me up at Primal Alchemy UK. Again, any little bit of advice constructive criticism, praise, anything really would mean the world to me, guys. So yeah, as a massive thank you, I always drop you guys the exclusive code REDPILL. That's the code REDPILL that when at checkout at primalchemy.co.uk, you'll get 10% off anything within your shopping basket. So if you're brand new to the Primal Alchemy brand, guys, this is your perfect opportunity to jump on over afterwards and grab yourself our Vitruvian protein. That's going to be our flagship organic whey protein. We've forged it with adaptogenic nootropic and prebiotic herbs. We've also added in the world's best high vibrational superfood powders to give you what I believe to be P for P, G-O-A-T, the third dimension's greatest health supplement. So yeah, check it out. Experience it for yourself. Don't just take my word for it. As with everything in this podcast, don't just listen to the shit I say. Think about it, analyze it, and then do it yourself. See if it works for you. Self-experience are the chemicals in which the philosopher experiments with, guys. So yeah, try it out. So, moving on to today's episode, we have Dr. Tony Lamana on. So, Tony, guys, is a chiropractor, nutritionist, coach, strength athlete. I mean, the guy's the U.S. National Kettlebell Champ in the IKLF, and he's a Kettlebell World Silver Medalist as well. This guy is the real deal. Seriously, I was turned on to him through um, Instagram. And one of the first videos I watched of him, he was there swinging his mace around. He swings these real heavy maces. And for all of you that follow my Instagram, you know that I'm really into functional training with kettlebells, maces, Bulgarian bags, etc., etc. So anyway, yeah, I see uh, Tony swinging these maces around. And then I'm like, okay, let's see what he's got to say in the comments. And I scroll down on the comments and he's there talking about centripetal force the, the formulas that he uses to um, to predict and work out the energy expenditure of the movements he's doing. And I was like, dude, man, this guy's on some next level. 
so I had to reach out to him and me and him had a little bit of a back and forth and yeah got him on and I really enjoyed this chat you know it's it's really good I really hope you enjoy this obviously the past previous few episodes have been more about nutrition and esoteric topics but this one is getting back to the basics some of my uh some of my bread and butter which is really exercise fitness I don't really talk about that too much on the podcast and I'm gonna well you'll see there's a few more guests I'm gonna have it on from this point onwards where we talk about exercise to give you guys some realistic and (laughs) yeah in essence esoteric tips uh in terms of optimizing your physical game building that biological temple of yours to the best you can you gotta think outside of the box sometimes and yeah tony was tony was a great guy to have on this was his first uh, podcast as far as i'm aware so yeah show him some love afterwards after you've listened and uh reach out to him if you can and let him know and he will appreciate it as well so guys before we start i just want to let you know in advance that uh, some of these podcasts i record on one program and some of them i record on another program and the program that i've recorded this one on is shown a quite a clear track record of being shit and it's fucked up a couple of my podcasts by overlapping the audios between myself and the guest. And I'm no audio engineer, guys. I try my best, but I'm not amazing at it. It's all brand new to me. Hell, just even editing this podcast alone is fucking work for me. But I do what I gotta do because I want to give you guys the best content I can. And I this I'll be honest with you, this podcast was pretty fucked up. When I got hold of it and I got hold of the finished audio files, I was like, shit, it's going to take some work. So I tried, guys. I really did. I But there's still a few things that I just don't know how to do. And there are a few little bits within the podcast where our voices overlap a little bit. So just keep that in mind that it's not long. It may be like 10 seconds max here and there of where I'll be talking and all of a sudden it sounds like Tony's talking over me or vice versa. Uh, it wasn't like that in the conversation. I just being honest with you guys, I just I can't I can't work it out at the moment. But I'm getting better, and I'll keep trying, and eventually I'll have this cleared up. So yeah. Anyway, I hope you in uh, I hope you enjoy, it, guys. Again, let us know what you think. As always, Morpheus, tell these fools what's up. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. As above, so below. What lies without resides within. Time for growth to begin. Mental, physical, and spiritual. We find balance with all three as we focus on totality. The whole, not the half. This is for those on a spiritual path. Looking for the clues to the answers of life But the truth ain't always nice So leave your ego at the door Let your inner lion roar And your spirit soar As we go deep down to the molecular level Tap into the body with some yogic breath Throw in some calisthenics for a true strength test Like the shamans of old We use the nature to heal With a little bit of DMT to reveal This whole life journey is a little surreal And your mind needs a leader Not a follower in life Let your mind be the master And you pay a hefty price This next 60 minutes is about self 
self-mastery It's not an easy path and it's a lifelong journey But we up to empower with this red pill initiation hour With this red pill initiation hour Brought to you by Prima Opera Me Matrix is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. Three, two, one, and oh shit, sweet Odin. Guys, we are back. We're here with episode 41. Episode 41, guys, of the Red Pill Initiation Hour. So, really good episode coming up today, guys. We are taking a little bit of a tangent from our past few episodes that have been quite esoteric in nature quite ethereal a lot about spiritual whereas this one we're going to root ourselves back on to planet earth and we're going to look at one of my bread and butter which is fitness this is where i started this is what opened my mind to pursuing the higher truths and yeah there's there's a lot of shit to learn it about fitness and a lot of interesting characters out there with interesting philosophies and the world of the health and fitness industry, the world of strength and conditioning has evolved massively since uh, I got my PT accreditation way back after school. And um, yeah, I just really wanted to get people on that are at the forefront of really pushing boundaries, trying out new protocols, new practices, new techniques, new equipment. And I found myself a gem on the... Uh, deep on the rabbit hole of Instagram I came across this fella and really loved what he's doing really loved his work and I'm sure you're going to appreciate it too so today's guest is Dr. Tony Lamana. uh Tony is a U.S. national kettlebell champ chiropractor nutritionist and just all-round fitness wizard uh you're going to find out why in just a minute once we uh once we jump into this and yeah, I'm. I'm re- I've been looking forward to this for a while. So, Tony, thanks for coming on, big man. It uh, means a lot to be for you to give me some of your time. And yeah, I've been looking forward to picking your brains a little yeah, bit. I appreciate the invite. Always happy. Yeah, no problem, Tony. So, uh, Tony, just bef- just as we uh, kick things off, for people that aren't familiar with who you are, what you're about, your background, could you give us a little bit of a rundown on? Yeah, just uh, how you've become who you are today, and then really, we're just branch off from there, my okay, man. Okay, sounds good. So um, I started off, got my uh, my degree, my uh, doctorate degree in chiropractic, and I practiced for quite a few years, and then um, I started teaching uh, at the college level, anatomy and physiology classes part-time, and really fell in love with teaching. And so uh, after a period of time, I transitioned, sold the practice, started teaching full-time at a local college out here. And I've been doing that for about 10 years now. And um, I I taught two years part-time, 10 years. It's been full-time as of January. And then uh, when I was teaching, I've always had a love for nutrition. And I've always been into nutrition. I work with my patients with nutrition. And so I went back and got my master's degree in uh, human nutrition. I get more background on that and, and taught nutrition for about eight years. I'll be teaching it again coming this next semester. And then uh, also went back and got some certifications, uh, four for Olympic weightlifting, a uh, powerlifting certification, exercise specialist through uh, National Academy of Sports Medicine. And then recently I got a kind of a cool one. It's uh, a steel mace certification. So that's kind of my background. And yeah, uh, yeah I, I love all of it. I love teaching, coaching. I've coached uh, Olympic weightlifting, kettlebells, powerlifting. And uh, those are kind of my passions. So. 
Yeah, man. Who did you um? Who did you do the Steel Mace uh, certification through? Did you do that with Leo Savage or is I did it through uh, Mr. Mace Man Rick Brown and uh, Ah, yeah, yeah, he is. He's, yeah. he's amazing. So, yeah, maybe that's something that we can start on, dude. Just um. Because I've got a steel mace myself, and it's something that I experiment with, and it's one of those things because it's pretty, it's it's not new because it's kind of like a a little bit of a uh, an alternative to like Indian clubs, and obviously they've been around for quite some time. But the steel mace movement, as such, is relatively new, and there's a lot of things that people are like quite a lot of people if you go to a commercial gym would pretty much be unaware that these things even exist. It's not something that you uh, see most people throwing out in the park or at your gym around the corner. It's something that you either find on the murky uh, depths of Instagram, or if you're into like high performance institutes like on it, and obviously on it's got Leo Savage there, who's kind of the big one for, uh, for the whole steel mace flow movement. I actually had him on the podcast um, a while back and he was, he's an interesting chap to say the least, but uh, yeah, man, I was, I've seen your, um, on your Instagram and you're discussing, some of the some of the benefits of the steel mace and you had one where you're talking about pressing with it and holding it at a holding it at a position where you increase the lever arm which is then going to increase the torque of the lift or the torque asserted on the lift could you uh i mean again if you could go in a little bit more detail on that and the sort of calculations you used and at the same time just talk about the steel mace in general i mean that was a very static um movement whereas i know that the steel mace is very dynamic in nature and how you use it but yeah man let's let's uh i just want to get your thoughts on the steel mace and why it's uh something that you've sort of gravitated towards and invested quite a bit of time into yeah. learning and teaching. Okay. sounds good so <clears throat> you know counterballs uh, are one of my favorite things and so what i found is Working with the steel mace is a real good, it's an excellent adjunct to uh, some of the strength uh, building and stability that you need for, you know, being good with kettlebells. And so I started getting more and more into it. Now I've been doing steel mace, and I'm not going to say real consistently, but I've probably picked it up about seven years ago. Uh, and I did, I did a little bit and then uh, kind of sporadically. And in the last uh, year or two, I really started to pick it up more and then got that certification through Rick Brown and kind of like ignited a passion for using this, this levered implement. And what's interesting about it, and I've talked to Rick about this, is, you know, when you lift heavy weights, people say, wow, it's, you know, he deadlifted, you know, four or five, 600 pounds, whatever, you know, whatever they're lifting. And people are impressed. And then you swing around this mace and it's 40 pounds, but it feels like you're lifting 400 pounds. And so I did a little bit of research into some of the physics of it just to kind of figure out, you know, where, where is all this, you know, force coming from? And a lot of it comes from the torque that you just previously mentioned. And so it depends on what movement you're doing. I did, uh, I had one post where I talked about the centripetal force because as you spin it in the circle with, if you're doing like 360s, they're called, mace 360s, um, you know, it create it, it, it generates, you have to generate a lot of force to keep it moving in that circular pattern. And of course not flying out of your hand. And so I did some calculations there. The one you're referencing was uh, doing the steel mace press. And so it's interesting because, you know, if you, I had a, I think uh, in that video, it was a 30 pound mace and pressing that 30 pound mace, if you're holding it from the end, and I think I was about 20 inches out from the end with my second hand. 
um, it's significantly heavier than pressing a 50 pound dumbbell. And so a 50 pound dumbbell is almost twice the weight, right? And, um, and it has to do with that lever. It has to do with the, uh, the torque that pulls from the end of the mace. Uh, does that, does that help answer what you were asking? Yeah, I'm, 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 it's once I saw you, man, doing it, it really fascinated me. And it's something that I've been experimenting with since where I haven't done it with the mace, um, because my mace isn't heavy enough to warrant doing it, but I've been in the gym and anyone who follows me on Instagram, you guys have probably checked my stories and seen me doing this is where I do it with the Olympic bar. But then what I do is wrap a light kettlebell, like five kilograms on a resistance band and hang that on the edge of the, yeah, of the, um, of the Olympic bar on the opposite side of which I'm pushing from. And it's crazy, man. It's, it's so crazy. You like, you would be, so the bar is 20 kilograms. I'm, I'm going to have to say yeah, in kilograms, dude. It's hard for me to convert to pounds on, the, on the fly. So about 20 <laughs> kilogram bar. It's, it's almost, it's <laughs> and, almost um, uh, taboo to, to talk about it in pounds. So, <laughs> Oh, yeah. that's good, man. That's the way it should be. Join, join the rest of the world. So, uh, yeah, man. So it's like 20 kilogram bar and then you've literally got a five kilogram um, kettlebell hanging off it. So 25 kilograms, man, that's hardly anything. But when you're trying to press this, it literally feels like you said, it literally feels like 50, 60 kilograms. It's it's absolutely crazy. And uh, I'm, yeah, I'm just it's great that I, that I see you doing it. Otherwise, I wouldn't have thought about it to begin with to do to have that to increase that lever arm, like you said. And then obviously increase it as well with the resistant band and the kettlebell, which then creates a lot of other sort of dynamic stressors as well in the in the process of the lift. And yeah, it's it's it was great, man. And so what was the uh, what was the force that you said you oh, calculated? You know, I, don't, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but uh, I think it was something to the effect of so just so I don't misquote exactly. It, it, it translated to about fifty point one or fifty point two pounds pressing it. Um, from from that position that I was in, so again, you know, you have to kind of take in, in all all the factors. So my hand to the end of the mace, that would be the radius that you're calculating. And the longer the radius, the more torque you're going to have, and so the more force it's going to create, or you're going to need to create to to press it. And so uh, I believe it was a little over 50 pounds. But when I did the example in the video, I pressed a 50 pound dumbbell, and you can see it was significantly easier to press it with that hand than to press it with yeah. the active hand when you're pressing the mace. So you're, you're actually, it, it's, it's hard to quantify the stabilization muscles that you need, or at least the muscles that act as stabilizers. But um, it, it, actually quanti- it, it actually is more than 50 pounds, if you think about it, because you have to stabilize that long implement. It's not like pressing that well-balanced dumbbell straight up. Does that, does that make sense? And again, it's yeah, a 40 pound mace, and, uh, so it's like pressing 50 pounds me. plus using stabilizers. And so, and then the further that, the longer that mace is, and the closer you bring your hand in, the longer that radius gets, which means the force increases. Like I talked to a guy, um, he has, he's, he's the only one I, I mean, I'm sure there are bigger maces, but he's the only one that I, I'm aware of that has uh, a longer mace made by the same guy. And his is, I think, five feet long. Mine's four and a half. And his is 40 pounds, mine's 30. And so I did some calculations on his, and I think it came to like 70 pounds that he was pressing. And I said, if you move your hands in two inches, it would actually increase the weight another 10 pounds per repetition. So we're talking, if you're doing 
you know, five sets, 10 repetitions per set times that by the increase in weight, you know, it, 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 it's quite a bit of extra work, you know, quite a bit of extra load that you're lifting over that workout. Yeah, significantly. And it's something that's so apparent, like I was saying, when you're doing it on the barbell, obviously with the barbell, you've got the the sort of etchings yeah, where you can see the different hand positions to put it in. And you can feel it so much. It's such it's such a significant difference that when you're, if you just move your hand in, like you said, like two inches, and it's like, you wouldn't think that, you, you wouldn't think it would have such a um, profound effect, but it really does. And you can go from being comfortable to, Within two inches, being like "fuck," this ain't right. go, this ain't well, moving. I'm not getting this. Realize, like when you're doing that with the barbell, you're pressing with with the the let's call it the inside hand. So if the one hand is at the end of the barbell and you, and you know the the inside hand, you're pressing with the inside hand. The outside hand is just for stabilization, and I'm sure you can feel that when you're pressing the weight. I mean, there's a slight slight bit of weight on that. Like let's say I've got my right hand on the end. And or as close to the end as possible of the barbell, and then my inside hand is my left. You're pressing almost all that weight with the left hand, and so um, it's a one arm press, and people don't realize that. So when you're putting up, I think you said you had 50 kilograms on there. You know, that's that's a lot of weight. Oh, well, no, 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 it wasn't 50 kilograms, man. It was uh, okay, like, <laughs> like 25, 30. <laughs> Fuck, if it was 50, hey, I'd be well. Either way, that's still really good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah one of the things that it feels like tony as well it's like when you're doing the press so just say i was doing it so the the bar is um pushing out through my left shoulder so i'm balancing it on the left side it feels like like you said like you've got the active left shoulder the right shoulder is acting as a stabilizer but then you also feel it within your core where it it it, it feels like a almost like a cross if you were to draw a cross from your shoulder down to the bottom of your oblique, to the bottom of your lap, on the um, and look at that, you've got it's the way that it works or the way that it feels is like left shoulder active, right hip um, active, right shoulder stabilizer, left hip stabilizer, and it's an in, it's an interesting dynamic. That's how it feels. I mean, I don't know if that there's, is there's a lot biomechanical that, you know, loads. If you, if you look at the muscles on the right you, side of the body. You've got uh, a muscle called the QL, the quadratus lumborum, and that's responsible for raising the hip up. So that has to actually remain flexed to keep you keep your torso erect in that position. And then also, I mean, and there's lots of other muscles. You're using tons mm-hmm. and tons of muscles here. So we're, I'm, I'm kind of simplifying major muscles, but also your transverse abdominus that acts as like your body's natural girdle. It's one of your deep your deepest core muscles in your abdomen, and um, that has to stay tight the entire time. And in fact, that's a muscle. I mean, you talk about weightlifting, powerlifting, kettlebell, sport, any kind of lifting, you know, that's the stabilizer muscle that actually increases the pressure inside your abdominal cavity, which it actually is very protective of your spine by doing so. So yeah, you can feel it. So you really strengthen. So when we talk about strengthening the core, this is why, you know, 10 to twos or, or steel maze 360s, or even these presses, you're building tons of core strength. It's not the traditional, you know, which they're fine, like sit-ups and things like that are fine, but it's not the traditional core building. You're actually building deep strength and stability that on a, kind of on a whole nother level. It's kind of like doing an L-sit hold. I don't know if you've, you you work with those at all, but I, I work with my, I have a, I have a weightlifting class that I, I teach over at the college and I had, uh, I had some of the students do it and boy, 
it, it was they, they were blown away because it looks like such a simple movement, but they had they really struggled with it and really enjoyed the process. So anyway. Yeah, that's uh, it's it's that's a solid exercise as well, man. It's it's a lot harder than you'd expect to be able to get yourself into an L sit position, especially if you've got like tight hamstrings or maybe like an anterior pelvic tilt that kind of almost limits that ability to do so, or that's what I've experienced in the past. One of the things I wanted to ask you, Tony, um, just to see where you're at with this. And maybe you may be unaware, maybe you might be aware, but when I was talking to Leo about this in terms of like the the steel mace world, the bubble of the steel mace practitioners, is that there is a split between them in that you've got people that do traditional steel mace exercise and you've got people that do the steel mace movement or steel mace flow. Um and Leo is obviously on the side of the flow where it's more of almost like a dance, but with a mace involved in it. And then you've got the other ones that are more of a, I guess, like traditional exercise based with in terms of like reps, repetitions and following like a set routine. I'm just wondering what's your opinion on that? Is there, do you just do whatever you feels right for you? Or do you have a certain outlook on how you feel the mace would be, Best well, um, I'm very program. familiar with with both uh, both styles. I come from more of the the traditional style or the strength style, uh, and I tend to do that more in my training. But that's because it transfers better to the things that I compete in, like Olympic lifting, powerlifting, and kettlebell sports stuff like that. So the strength movements with the mace tend to be more beneficial for my end game, for my goals. So I wouldn't say one's better than the other. I would say it depends on what your, your goal set is. Um, I think they're both really good for mobility. I think uh, building strength, obviously the traditional is going to be better because you're lifting heavier weights and generally doing um, you know more, more workload overall. Uh, the flow is good in a sense that you create a lot more coordination. So if coordination is one of the things you're looking for, uh, I think that's really, really beneficial. Um, also, you know, if you get into the neurology of it, now don't get me wrong, they're both going to do this because they, they've done studies where you do push-ups and you actually start to form new branches of your neurons. They're called dendrites. And um, you start to actually, uh, you know, increase neuroplasticity. You, know, you, you probably, you know, looked into some of that in some of your podcasts. But um, when you're doing these, these movements, it creates a lot of neurological stimulus and I think um, I think they both do, but I would say the flow probably more so because you've got to coordinate one movement and flow it into the next and things like that. So, you know, I think one's better for strength building and mobility. The other's better for mobility and, uh, you know, coordinating movements and, you know, creating maybe more balance, things like that. Does that Yeah, man. Yeah, I I agree with you, mate. That's uh, from my experience I've had with it as well. That's how that's um, my sort of outlook on things, and it always just seems we have we have this I don't know this deep rooted habit of divide. Well, it's it, always dividing exactly us versus it. them. You know, you've got some of the strength guys like got, that, that are against the flow, and flow guys that are against the strength movements. And I've even heard, to, which I find some of this stuff to be absurd, to be quite frank. Um, you know, well, if you don't pull it down past your belly button when you do a 360, it's not correct. Or, you know, if you don't pause in a certain position and the thing is like, I get it. We can change the name of it. If we, if we need to, if semantics is going to be the, you know, the the fighting point of the issue, 
but uh, I think they're all beneficial. You know, I, 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 I appreciate all styles of fitness, you know? So um, if you're doing it for fitness, if you're doing it for health purposes, if you're doing it to increase, you know, mobility, flexibility, strength, balance, whatever it is, you know, I have an appreciation for that. So I'm not down on one style versus another. Again, I think, I think different styles fit different people. Right. And so what's, what style is going to best help you accomplish the goals you have? Yeah. Now, even if, even if you're not competing in something, like what are your goals? If your goals are, you know, to increase balance and flexibility, I mean, let's, let's look into yoga a little bit. You know, I, I do yoga. I love yoga. Um, and that's what I actually do yoga for. You know, can you build a lot of strength? Absolutely. But I have plenty of things I do for strength movements. So for me, yoga tends to be more based on increasing my flexibility, my balance, things like that. Yeah, it's that's the thing, man. It's all goal specific. And what 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 do you want? Like, what's your, what's your goal? Because if your goal is to just increase strength and obviously doing the flow, although it would increase your strength, but it's not going to increase your strength as quickly as if you were doing a periodized uh, strength program with yeah with a heavier weight. And um, I just wanted to uh, to move on because this is something that I'm like the steel mace. I enjoy but it's not my bread and butter. What my bread and butter is, is what I know is your bread and butter as well, which is the kettlebell or kettlebell sport. It's a little bit different here in the UK, Tony, because we don't have the, um, we don't have kettlebell sport or as far as I'm aware, we don't, it's not something, there's not kettlebell clubs or anything like that. It's like you get some kettlebells at the gym or you buy your own. And I, I went for a stage where I, yeah, like when I was, in my late teens where I was obsessed with kettlebells. So I bought loads of competition oh, yeah. kettlebell sets. Was and I was obsessed guy. with Pavel, with Steve guy. Cotter. I, I um, mean, the John, time this last John December, Buckley. he's literally one of the nicest yeah, guys you'll ever meet. I've got Steve. I've... Oh, awesome. That's awesome. For sure, man. I've got him on the podcast next month. Yeah, um, it's amazing, dude. Yeah, re- really, really looking forward to having him on. Yeah, and then uh, there's another guy, Steve Buckley, I believe. Um John Buckley, sorry, John Buckley. He's another one. Uh, yeah, there's just loads of people that have been in the game for a while now and showing what's possible. Like when you train kettlebell as seriously as you would do if you were to have a program like a bodybuilding program or a powerlifting program or weightlifting program, etc., etc. If you have like a proper kettlebell program, you can get into next level shape. And f- for me, the the kettlebells have been integral within my own sort of physical development in my outlook and philosophy on fitness, functional fitness. And yeah, it's a staple. Um, I always use them. And I was wondering if you could just give us a bit of a breakdown on your sort of how you were introduced into kettlebells, what your sort of views are on them and what they're best served for. And yeah. And then almost give us a little bit of, um, a little bit of an insight into your time. Cause I, like you said, you're U S national champ with the IKLF, which is the international kettlebell lifting federation. I believe I know there's a few, yeah, there's a few out there and yeah. also yeah. world Sit silver medalist. Is that correct? That's right as well, man. Yeah. Sound cool. Sound Tony, just, uh, if you give us a rundown on just the kettlebell itself, cause there's a lot, I've, I know there's a lot of listeners that might, that will know what a kettlebell is, but, 
when they think of someone doing a kettlebell, they think of someone, a crossfitter, when they're just like throwing it overhead, like where, where they're doing a swing and they're bringing it well up. So it's like, uh, yeah, shoulder, right. like past shoulder length. So, it's, it's um, just so I started out actually tri- uh, in bodybuilding. And so that was years ago. And then, you know, some, somewhere along the path, which was probably about eight years ago, I got bored with traditional bodybuilding, nothing wrong with it. You know, not, it's, it's, it's great, you know, for people that enjoy doing it. Um, and, uh, you know, I always did natural bodybuilding. It wasn't anything. I wasn't any, I wasn't competitive in bodybuilding. Let's put it that way. But that's what I, that's the style of training that I did for years. Uh, got into some powerlifting and more functional fitness. When I started getting into the functional fitness, that's when I really discovered kettlebells and I had bought them. You, I probably bought kettlebells. I want to say about 12 years ago, I started collecting kettlebells, maybe yeah, 11 or 12 years ago, something like that. And, uh, but you couldn't find them. I mean, literally, they were very few places. Now you can walk in any sports sporting goods store and find them, you know, uh, order them online. You know, a lot of places have free shipping even now. And so uh, back in the day, it was it was very difficult to find. And so I didn't use them a lot back then, but I was introduced to it by, you know, by basically watching Pavel videos. And um, I think I, I bought one of his books. I bought Steve Cotter's book. And so I didn't get big into training kettlebells until about uh, probably about three or four years ago, maybe five years ago. And uh, I started to really implement it into my training. And so uh, when I was competing, uh, doing some Olympic weightlifting competitions, I kind of did uh, a majority of my stuff with Olympic weightlifting. Then I had a wrist surgery. I might be giving a little more information than you need, but I had a wrist surgery kind of sidelined that, that goal set, you know, I was in the master's division, so it wasn't like I was going to the Olympics here. So let's be real honest, but, um, but I was hoping to go to nationals and place there in the master's division. (laughs) Anyway, I got sidelined by a a wrist surgery and, uh, it just didn't seem to work very well after that. Now, that being said, I started getting much more into kettlebells after that, which is about three years ago. And, uh, I started to seek out, I just like, I just like competing. And so I started to seek out competitions and, you know, what, what, what was out there and, so I discovered uh, that there are a couple of organizations, and I'll be competing in a couple of a uh, couple of others this year as well. Um, actually, in hopes, uh, in September they have the Mister Olympia actually has a kettlebell competition now. They've had for the last couple of years, so uh, it'd, be, it'd be fun to to do that. That's that's kind of in the in the in the works. We'll really? see how that goes. Um, but I discovered this organization, the IKLF, and uh, it's a good, it's a really good organization in a lot of ways. That it's uh, there's different rule sets and it's a little bit easier to start in that organization because, um, you're able to set the, you have a 10 minute set, but you're able to set the kettlebell down. You're able to switch hands multiple times, which in most organizations, it's a one hand switch. If you have a single kettlebell, um, and you don't set the kettlebell down for 10 minutes. So, which makes it significantly harder on the muscle endurance end, um, on the breathing endurance end, you know, on the cardiovascular end, you gotta, you gotta, crank out a bunch of repetitions in this particular organization. And so I'm not traditionally a cardio guy. So I kind of surprised myself that I performed fairly well in this organization. Um, I've always been more of a strength guy. Um, the one thing, and I'll kind of like branch out from what we're talking about here is uh, about kettlebells that I really fell in love with was it, a, it was a whole body workout. Like I just, I didn't realize that swinging this little ball on the end of a handle was going to like work practically every muscle in my body. And so, you know, you, you talk about kettlebell swings, it's a whole body movement. You know, I calculated, uh, doing a deadlift, you use over 100 muscles and I haven't listed them all out yet, but, but I've counted over hundred muscles you're using. 
could be more. Uh, the kettlebell swing is an identical movement to a deadlift, which means you're using all the same muscles. And so um, that's just the kettlebell swing. But then kettlebell sport is actually clean and jerks, which they call long cycle. Um, so when you clean and jerk the kettlebell, it's called long cycle jerk, which is just a jerk. And then there's snatches, which are my, my personal favorite, which is basically going, you know, overhead. And so, um, but those, you know, they, in fact, I, I'm going to post something on this one time, but they, um, they did a study on, uh, kettlebell snatch intervals, which is exactly how this type of training is. Um, and so if you do 20 minutes of kettlebell snatches in interval style, it's the equivalent uh, of burning the same amount of calories that you would running for 20 minutes at a six minute mile pace, which is fairly significant. And I'm not a runner, so that would be a really fast pace for me. So, <laughs> so, you know, and so, and the yeah, thing no. is, as amazing as running is for people that like running, <laughs> I'm not one of those people, but as amazing as it is. Um, it's not a complete full body movement like a kettlebell snatch is. You're not using lower and upper body. You're using pretty much mostly lower body uh, and some core. And so um, so the thing I love about kettlebells is it's a full body movement. It's highly metabolic. So you're burning tons of calories because I got to tell you, you know, doing traditional bodybuilding, I'd sit on the stair stepper and the, and the step mill. That's still, I mean, those things will kick your butt like that. The, the, the rolling steps. Good God. But that's really hard. But I just get bored. I just don't have the, I just, I, I did it for years and years and years, you know, treadmill. And I even did run, even though I'm not a runner, I did lots of types of cardiovascular, but now I get my cardiovascular work doing my kettlebell intervals and I'm building strength, you know, at the same time. And I'm, you know, I'm getting fitter and my heart, my, I mean, I have a resting heart rate of 48 right now. And so um, unless I get stressed out, of course, and then it goes up, but <laughs> a resting heart rate, non-stress. Yes. Yeah, it's, 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 and that, and I do, when I say I do zero cardio, I do zero traditional cardiovascular work. All of my cardio comes from my interval type training with maces, kettlebells, things like that. And so I use my functional fitness to get my, you know, my, my strength training in, to get my sport training in and to get my cardiovascular work in. So that's one thing I love about it is you're, you're kind of hitting all aspects by using this simple implement. You know, one thing, and I agree with him 100%, one thing that Rick Brown said is he said, if you could only afford one piece of exercise equipment, it would be a kettlebell. And he's known as Mr. Mace Man, but he said, a kettlebell, you can literally get all your fitness from this one implement. And so, um, you know, hopefully that helps sort of answer like, you know, how I kind of fell in love with the kettlebell. And so I started, uh, I wanted to, I actually wanted to compete for fun. I did not have real high expectations. And, um, I went into my first competition. It was the nationals for the IKLF and uh, they've changed the rules a little bit now where you have to uh, do all three events at that time. You could do individual events and I did the snatch and the clean and jerk. And I placed uh, my, in the nationals, I placed second in the snatch and first in the clean and jerk, which I was very pleased and shocked about. And then uh, I trained real hard, came back for the world championships that they had, uh, which was, I think a little over a month later and, um, I placed, I did not place in the snatch. I think I came fourth, I want to say. And then I placed, um, second in the clean and jerk. And so I was pretty, pretty pleased with those results. And, uh, recently we had, uh, regionals. It was a little bit smaller competition and I did very well on that as well. Uh, I, you know, I played, I took first in my division, but it was a very small division. And so, 
Um, so it's been, it's been kind of a cool journey, you know, and I, I'd like to, uh, you know, see what happens in some of the other organizations and kind of branch out and just enjoy some of the, the process there and competing and, you know, seeing how far I can push my body. So. Mm. Yeah. It's one of those. Uh, have you got a bit of yeah. It's one of those. Uh, um, you're good on this side. Am I echoing? You got like a bit of echo coming from my voice, by the way, Tony. No, just my voice seems to be echoing a little bit. Actually, no, don't worry, it's good. Yeah, so anyway, the point that um, yeah, I was going to make is that I think people underappreciate the the effect of a kettlebell. Like, you walk into the gym, and then you've got, like, obviously the big free weight section, and people are going to look at it, and they see the big weights, the 50-kilogram, like, dumbbells, and then they go and see a 12-kilogram, 16-kilogram kettlebell, and they're like... Pfft, the fuck's this thing going to do for me? But like you said, it's, it's so diverse. It's diverse in that you can use it for conditioning, cardiovascular conditioning, or you can do it for building up legitimate strength. And there's, there's just, um, it's very interesting what you brought up then about the, the kettlebell swing and the deadlift, both, um, activating a hundred muscles. So it's the, it's pretty much the same sort of, uh, the same sort of demand neuromuscular um neuromuscular and yeah just like it is really is one of my favorite things like one of the things that i love to do is i seen steve doing it for ages and i was like man how is he doing that and then i was like right i'm actually gonna give this a try it's when he does the alternating snatching but you have to have that sort of yeah the alternating double hand snatch where it's kind of like it's almost like a, a little hop so it's like hop snatch hop snatch hop snatch hop snatch continuously back and forth and i'm telling you man if you do that like you said with the uh with the 20 minute snatch intervals and you're doing like 30 seconds on 30 seconds off of just doing those double snatches those alternating snatches you can do that with like a 16 kilogram kettlebell and before you know it you that that is so taxing on the system and like i've been working my way up to the 24 kilogram one of doing alternating snatching like that and you just fit, it gives you such a different feeling, such a different connection to your body while you're doing it than a traditional um, barbell exercise would, or a just yeah, it's a, or a traditional um, let's say a uh, what could you use like a lap pull down machine, a a row rowing machine, like a weighted row machine. Yeah, like the lot, feeling you get from doing the, the snatching the is just muscles that you're actually level. using. And, you know, it's just a higher uh, percentage just, of muscles and muscle groups, and so it it, it is. It's a whole other. Mm-hmm. It's a whole other feeling for sure. Yeah, and another thing I seen you put down as well, Tony, is like you calculated the the percentage increase of the muscle activation of the hamstring or the muscle needing to the hamstrings needing to deaccelerate yeah. the kettlebell from having a straight arm swing to a slightly bent arm swing. Well and what and what was it that you found there that using this the slight bent arm well a couple a couple of things happened there so the, um, the workload of, of the is, of the hamstring uh, well the two let me let me say this first the two the two benefits to the to keeping the elbows in tight so doing what i call the little t-rex swing is um there's no there's no loss to it because you're not supposed to be using your arms on a kettlebell swing so that's first off because you mentioned proper technique before and this is something i saw i've seen i i coached uh, at a cross couple crossfit gyms for a couple years 
really good people. Yeah. Um, but some of the technique that I, that I had, that I saw definitely needed correcting and it's because they were using their shoulders. And so there is something called an American swing where you go overhead, but you still need to use your hips 100% to drive that mm. weight all the way overhead. The only thing you use your shoulders for is to catch it at the top. So it doesn't go flying over your head. Um, but I, I'm more of a fan of the traditional Russian swing, which is basically, I usually go to shoulder or eye level. Yeah. And so back to what we were talking about, that little T-Rex swing where you keep the arms bent, the, the, there's no drawback because you're not, you're not supposed to be using shoulders. So it doesn't matter if your arms are extended or close. The benefits though, um, number one, it's, it's safer because the kettlebell doesn't pull you as much onto your toes and potentially pull you into rounding or pull you off balance. So there's much less likelihood of injury. The second thing is what you're referencing is the workload, um, the amount of force you have to generate to stop the deceleration is significantly uh, smaller because you have a shorter lever arm. And so I think when I did the calculation, uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think when I did the calculation, it was a six inch difference. And so I looked at, I basically looked at my videos, calculated the, the amount of inches difference from when my arms are extended to when my arms are retracted or elbows near the sides. It was about a six inch difference, but that significantly changed the amount of force that I had to generate to decelerate the kettlebell to stop it. And then again, at that point, reverse it. And so some people would say, well, why would you want to do less work? And it's not a matter of doing less work. It's a matter of, I can, gen I can do a whole lot more volume by doing that. So, um, you know, and, and in muscles that I really don't want to get fatigued, like some small muscles in the lower back, some of the small erector muscles in the lower back. They don't get fatigued. I mean, again, when you talk about a kettlebell movement, sure, there's over 100 muscles you're working, but the primary muscles are glutes and hamstrings. I mean, that's if I had to pick two muscle groups, those are the, the muscle groups I would pick. I mean, you're using tons of others. You need rhomboids and middle trap to make sure that you keep your shoulders retracted. I mean, you need grip, you know, so all of your forearm muscles are working. But that being said, um, you're actually, I think, the transfer. I don't even know if I put this in the post, but you're actually working more of the target muscles that the movement is designed to work. And you can put a higher volume on those muscles. So again, lifting more weight, higher, higher volume of repetitions. And in the long run, when you talk about adaptation, you know, I feel that your adaptation by putting in that higher workload, that higher volume is going to be better, right? So you're going to get stronger you're going to get more efficient. You're going to build better cardio, especially with the higher repetitions. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, I agree, man. Um, that's something that I've been mm -hmm. uh, incorporating into my own regime. We've got the heaviest kettlebell we've got at my gym is a 44 kilogram. It's a, uh, it's ideally, it would have been nice for it to be a competition one, just obviously then just to for the universal sizing and everything but it's uh it's like a standard cast iron one so it's quite big and the handle's quite thick so i can go for as long as my grip allows me before my sort of grip goes but uh yeah I've, it really does help to have like you said the t-rex arms on the go and it it just uh it helps alleviate a lot of the excess force that would be there if you if you had that arm straight and as soon as you start getting past it in my opinion from my level of strength as soon as you go past 24 kilograms i feel like things get hard very quickly in terms of just being able to being able to do a snatch being able to do a swing to begin with do a swing a clean a snatch it 
the you start to feel the increase that in increment uh the increments of the, of the weight very uh yeah very quickly and um just just out of interest tony like I know that when Pavel does his, uh, when he used to do his Dragon Door course, and then he moved on to Strong First, the he 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 believed that uh, when you're starting off or practicing, that a female should use a 12 kilogram kettlebell and a male should use 24. I'm just wondering for people that are listening to this that may not be familiar with the kettlebell, but they're kind of like, oh, this sounds a little bit interesting. You know, I'll well, give it a go. What would I'd you love say to give you is like the a, best a, like a, way like a to direct start on pat for answer for that? But I'll be completely honest. I think it depends on the individual. You know, because if, if I have somebody that's done CrossFit for five years and they're super fit, I'm not going to start them with an you know uh, an eight kilogram mm-hmm. kettlebell, right? Um, and, you know, for a female or something like that. I, you know, and and you know, so it depends on what their fitness level is. I think we have to yeah. uh, assess the individual. But if I were to, you know, we, we have to have sort of a, a framework to work in. And to be honest with you, I usually say for females um, that have no experience with the kettlebell, pick up an eight kilogram and use that and start with that first. Once your technique is good, then you can start, you know, accelerating the weight. Um, as far as for, for males, I usually say start with it. If you've never done it before now, we're just assuming you haven't used kettlebells at all. I say 16 kilograms. And so I know traditionally, and I know Pavel comes from that traditional style and there are two different styles. It depends on what you're doing as well. There's hard style mm-hmm. kettlebell, which is what the, the, the style that Pavel comes from. And then there's kettlebell sport, which is completely different. And even the swing and even the movement of the legs for, for like snatches or cleans, it's completely different, right? So the knees, the knees don't shift back and forth on a, on a hard style swing. It's a hinge exactly like the deadlift. The knees do shift a little bit in kettlebell sport and it's to absorb some of the forces and kind of help uh, create a little bit more of a flow because of the higher repetitions. So in traditional hard style kettlebell, you're not doing, you know, as maybe as many repetitions as you would in, in kettlebell sport. Yeah. And so, um, you know, and then something else I was going to say about the sport is, you know, when you think about this, you're doing like, if you think about, let's say you have a 16 kilogram, right? So let's say you have a guy that, that you know, he's somewhat fit, but he's never used kettlebells, you know, again, like you said, jumping to 24, 24 is, is that's a, that's a lot of weight to snatch. And so, especially if you've never done this movement before, but let's say he uses a 16. Okay. And so like I did this with my class yesterday, we did uh, 10 rounds, right? So we did it in EMOM style, every minute on the minute. And we would do 10 snatches each arm for 10 minutes. That's 200 snatches. And so you're looking at, at that point, you're looking at, what is that? 6,400 kilograms, I think, lifted. So 16, if if you're using 16 kilogram. So you just lifted 6,400 kilograms in 10 minutes. I mean, that's a significant amount of work to do. So I don't think the weight is so important. I think it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a technique snob. I'm, I, you know, and I'll, I'll tell you why, I, you know, number one, to prevent injury. Number two, when you have good technique, you are just more efficient and better at whatever that movement is, you know, and if it's, and, and if it's in competition, cause I've coached, you know, uh, some national athletes, if it's in competition, you're a better competitor. And so I'd rather you stay injury free and perform at your absolute peak. And the only way to do that is to have optimal technique. And when I say optimal technique, nobody's technique is perfect, but the optimal technique for you, like the best technique that you're able to do, of course, without making some of the major errors, you know, and what's, and something that, that's interesting that I didn't share with you before was, um, 
one of the way, one of the things that really got me interested in kettlebell uh, using kettlebells in general was when I had about seven or eight years ago, I, I was having some really bad back issues, low back issues. Now, a lot of people, when they do deadlifts, they hurt their back. When they do kettlebell swings, they hurt their back. But that has everything to do with their technique. It's poor technique hurts their back. I actually used both of those movements to strengthen my back. And I have really no, I mean, other than when I overtrain a little, I have no back issues today. And so you can rehab, you can strengthen your, your, the, all of those muscles and your back by doing these movements. But again, it's with good technique. Now, you know, from using kettlebells, you can't just pick up a 24 that you've never, you, you know, you never snatched before and you're going to start doing good technique. It's just not going to happen. So, um, you know, listen, if the, it, I don't care if it's guy, girl, whatever, if it's 12 kilograms, you have to start with, let's get the movement. Let's get the movement pattern. Cause here's, here's the thing. I have this, I have this little pet peeve when people say muscle memory because muscles don't have memory, but there is something that the concept is real. The concept is, uh, motor patterns. You create motor patterns. It's kind of like Tiger Woods, right? He doesn't have to think where does he swing? Where does he hold his hands? How does he do it? He's done it a million times, maybe millions of times. And so he's created a motor pattern that it's almost difficult for him to do it wrong. And so that's what I like to try and create with my athletes, whether it's Olympic lifting. I, mean, I think powerlifting is a little easier in, in general, but Olympic lifting is super technical. Kettlebells are extremely technical. And I'd like to create the motor pattern. You know, it's, it's, it's like that old saying, they, they say, well, uh, practice makes perfect. That's completely wrong. Perfect practice makes perfect. If you practice shitty reps, you get good at doing it shitty, right? And so good technique is going to be essential. So it doesn't matter what the weight is that you're starting with. It doesn't matter, you know, even the number of repetitions, just get the repetitions in and make sure they're good repetitions. You know, I had, a, I had a guy doing dips. We were doing dips and uh, one of my athletes, and uh, he was doing like half reps. I said, listen, you got 20 repetitions. That's great, but you did half reps. I'd rather see you do 10 full reps. Get that full extension. It transfers better to all sports and for strength development and for strengthening your joints, right? So again, it, it goes back to that, that my, at least for me, it goes back to technique. You know, let's do good tech. And by the way, my technique is not perfect, but I strive to, to get it as good as possible. I'm still working on it, but, but that is the goal. You know, mm -hmm. so from your experience with the with you training your athletes and the people that you coach what's the what's your opinion on the best exercises that are the i don't want to say easiest to nail the technique and give you the best bang for your buck in return? Like what would be your go-to exercises if you had to teach someone? And be, just say they were, they had reasonable body intelligence, they were coordinated, you could see that they could move like decently without having any issues of not knowing how to move one limb from the other. So you'd be like, okay, right, I've got something good to work with. So now. what would you, um, what exercises would you kind of prescribe my top them? Tier, and, uh, three exercises yeah, and why? Be, now I'm not going to say they're easy necessarily. Um, they're definitely easier than Olympic lifting or or kettlebell snatches and clean and jerks, things like that. But I would say um, squats, barbell squats, barbell deadlifts, and uh, kettlebell swings. Those would be my three that I think people should be implementing into their program. And it has a lot to do with 
the, you know, you're talking bang for your buck. So that's kind of how I'm answering this question. And for those three movements, I think you get the most bang for your buck. You use the most amount of muscles. You, uh, it generates, you know, you have to generate the most amount of ATP to, 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 to do those movements. And, um, in fact I did, uh, you know, I teach this in my, my endocrine, uh, section of my anatomy class. Uh, even when we talk about how do we optimize our hormone profile, like naturally, how do we do this with exercise? And one of the ways to do it is to use larger muscle groups or multi-joint movements where you're using multiple muscle groups across joints. Your body dumps out more anabolic hormones. It dumps out more growth hormone. It dumps out more testosterone, right? It, it, it does those things, uh, more IGF, which is made in the liver from growth hormone. And so those things when we say anabolic, people think steroids. Well, your body produces, it produces steroid hormones. All, all of those are anabolic hormones. Um, growth hormone and IGF are not steroids, but they're anabolic. Testosterone is a steroid and it's anabolic. And by anabolic, I mean it increases protein synthesis. So what does that do? Well, a lot of people think, well, it gets you bigger. It gets you bigger and stronger. Yes, it could, depending on what your training is. But the reality is, um, everybody needs protein synthesis. If you run 13 miles, right, or you want to run a full marathon, don't you think you need protein synthesis to repair those tissues? Absolutely. So when you think protein synthesis, think building. When you see, when you hear the word anabolic, people shouldn't think steroids. They should think building. We need to build. There's, there's, there's hundreds of thousands of anabolic processes in the body, you know? And so, um, I don't know if that's an actual number. I may be throwing that out there, but, but there's many, many anabolic processes and, um, but again, we kind of get pigeonholed into our thinking. We hear anabolic, we're like, oh, steroids or big or muscle or bodybuilder. And that's not necessarily the case. So regardless of what your, um, your sport is or what type of training, you know, you want to optimize protein synthesis. And of course, diet has a lot to do with that. But if we're talking about exercise, it's going to stimulate the release of those hormones that we need for anabolism. Those three movements are going to be my top three. And then of course... And, and maybe some of this has to do with my love of it, but a lot of it has to do with the actual physiology. Kettlebell clean and presses, kettlebell clean and jerks, kettlebell snatches. I mean, you are going to work tons of muscles, get very strong, strengthen your joints, and burn a crap ton of calories. I mean, you talked about the alternating kettlebell uh, snatches, which, you know, that takes a coordination that a lot of people have to really build. But even if Oh, it's, 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 it's beastly and, and, and on multiple levels, but even, you know, I've, I've talked yeah, to people about me, this before, even doing double kettlebell snatches. I mean, I competed, um, this last in the regionals I did, um, I did a double kettlebell snatch. I did doubles, double kettlebell snatch, double jerk, double clean and jerk. And I have to tell you, I, I, I don't enjoy double kettlebell snatches, but, but they are, they are pretty amazing for kick. If you want to, you want to kick your own butt with a workout. <laughs> Double kettlebell snatches will, will for sure do that. If you want a burner at the end of your workout where you just burn an extra ton of calories and just fatigue the heck out of yourself, throw five minutes of double kettlebell snatches. And then once you get to coordination, do the alternating kettlebell sweat snatches. I mean, five minutes. You wouldn't think five minutes or 10 if you can do it. But, you know, I say build up slowly. And, um, yeah, I mean, the, the, again, that is – that you want to talk about bang for your buck? Alternating kettlebell snatch, double kettlebell snatch, man, that is just an amazing amount of work to, to do. So hopefully that helps answer, answer the question, but those, those are going to be my top picks.
Yeah, with the um, when you were saying about the like the deadlift and the squat, do you, is this just gonna be? Are these under any special well, um, I would say, alterations uh, to them? Is there like time of tension or is it just straight up just and, squat and, and full deadlift. ranges of motion? So, you now somebody may have to build the mobility for for full ranges of motion. Um, with the deadlift, uh, I, I see a lot of rounding when people don't have the ranges of motion. The, the correct range of motion may be in their hips or their back or wherever. Um, and some of that's a strength issue, and we, so we have to, might have to start them out lighter. For squats, a lot of times I see people not getting to depth. And so when we talk – I like to talk about you know exercise in, in relation to, to science because science makes sense to me. And so traditionally, you know, again, I said I, I kind of grew up in bodybuilding and we were taught to squat to parallel. And, uh, you know, I read a study uh, a few years back that blew that out of the water. And when I got into Olympic lifting, you know, we were taught, you know, squat ass to grass and, you know, basically all the way down, let the, let the calves touch the hamstrings. And I don't squat that low anymore, but I do break parallel when I squat. And, uh, for, for a number of reasons. One, it builds strength and full range of motion, which I feel is important for any kind of transfer to any kind of sport, plus better balance of muscles and joint health. Because again, when you create strength in shorter ranges of motion, you tend to create imbalances, you create certain muscles that are stronger than others, or certain things pull a certain way. When you create uh, strength through full ranges of motion, it's, it's a much better balance. Um, now, so that study, so the study said this, it said, that when you, the highest point of shearing force on the knees happens at 90 degrees. And so the supposition was it's the worst place to stop the force and reverse because it it takes a significant amount of energy and force to stop that, you know, that descent at 90 and then reverse the force at 90 at the point of greatest shearing stress. So what I always tell my athletes is break parallel and then come on back up because when you break parallel, it, it disperses those forces off of the knee. And so or significantly, not, not completely, but significantly. Um, and uh, if they don't have the mobility to get down that far on a full, you know, a good squat, you know, nice, I do high bar squat and powerlifting is a little bit different. It's more of a hinge. Um, but uh, the Olympic squat or the traditional high bar squat, um, you know, keep the chest real high, drop below parallel. Um, if they can't, I say, don't go to 90. I say, stay above until you build the mobility to go under. I mean, it's only a few inches, you know? So if you can't get two inches under parallel, stay an inch or two above parallel. And, um, you know, so things like that, you know, and there's different views on that, but I'm just basing it on sharing. I I want, I want longevity, right? You know, I, I know some people will argue some of these points and maybe they're, they're right and I'm wrong, but, um, I haven't had any hip or knee surgeries and I'm hoping to never have to have hip or knee surgeries. Again, one of my goals for myself and my athletes is, you know, there's no injuries, you know, and injury doesn't mean, you know, you blow something out necessarily. It means you, you wear and tear on it until now you need a knee replacement or hip replacement. And, um, you know, my goal is that that we're doing movements that are going to be functional, build all the strength and, 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 you know, cardiovascular and and things we need without causing long-term wear and tear and injury. Mm, yeah, is there any of um, is there any other sort of exercises that you like that may not fit into the bracket of 
Kettlebell may not fit into the bracket of steel mace. I haven't, but I've been watching a lot of it lately. Actually, I'm pretty curious subject again. But I've never used Uh, one. Do you you use Bulgarian bags much? I do, and that he's one of the guys I've been watching, and and, uh, yeah. Tony, mate, you need to you need to give them a try. Like I, I've um, do you follow Mike Salami? Yeah. Oh man, he the thing is with Mike, he make he he makes it look so easy. When you first grab up a Bulgarian bag and you try swinging it for the first time, it just takes you off your feet. Like if you're not coordinated enough to to do to do one of those swings and you're not expecting it, it just takes you off your feet. And it took me a while to get it down, but he makes those movements when he's doing the uh, when he's doing the obviously the rotational swings and then when he does the snatching as well with it. Like that's hard, man. Trust you try doing a kettlebell. Um, sorry, a Bulgarian bag snatch. Those things are hard. And then also, yeah, it's on the the, the, uh, the elastic ropes or whatever. They've got the, the, yeah. the like the ball. Yeah, just, it looks he, like a um, demonstration. Like a I, I'm not there, but I saw ball, it online. Like got, I mean, he, uh, Mike just did a demonstration at, at the Arnold. Uh, yeah, the Arnold competition in oh, Ohio. Man, they, and um, um, I I do not. I mean, I I, I think I have uh. Thor on my uh, I follow Thor. Yeah, you saw do you follow Strongman? Ah, uh, just wondering. Yeah, I was just watching um I was watching streaming it last night. Oh, yeah. I was up late streaming I'm, the uh the Arnold yeah, yeah. um strongman comp and uh Thor tried to get five hundred kilograms on the yeah, on the elephant bar deadlift. And he got it up to his knees, but then just it went. Like he, he, he set like another that, record. Right? He set another that? record. You know, he broke his uh, record previous of the record elephant bar deadlift, which lift, I believe so. it's like, oh, it was in pounds. And I can't. Yeah. Yeah, man, it's, that's, it's crazy when you start, when you're watching these people and just what they're capable of, man, it just shows what like the, like how diverse the human body can be that you can get someone who can lift 500 kilograms essentially off the floor. And then you can also get someone who would struggle just be, just being able to get the technique down of a, just doing an Olympic bar and picking it off the floor without putting their back out. It's absolutely insane. And, um, yeah, I just I just wonder if you yeah, follow Strongman actually do. Tool, mate, uh, just because it is the Arnold, uh, uh, they're implementing it the Arnold Expo um, weekend. In fact, and, uh, um, do they do kettlebell, they've got Olympic kettlebell lifting now, in, uh, the which Arnold? they've had for a few years. Uh, of course, powerlifting, they put in, uh, it's been in there for a few years. I don't know how many, but it's been there for a little bit. They've got the Strongman in there. They've got kettlebell sport in there. Um, I mean, it's it's pretty amazing that they've they've really pulled. I think the Olympia does the same thing. I think they've pulled all of those sports, all the strength sports, into the competition. So it's, it's not just, you know, the traditional bodybuilding that it was before. And now you've got all sorts of, uh, you know, strength sports and athletes there, which is pretty, pretty cool stuff. Yeah, it's, I'm just jealous, man. I'm telling you, Tony, it's like, I, I, again, when I'm saying you guys over in the States have got it good, I mean, I know that States is massive and it's like, you might be on one side of the States to where the Arnold is or where the Olympia is being held, but we just haven't got anything like that in the UK. Like we've got one big fitness expo 
in the summertime, but we haven't got the the health and fitness industry is just lackluster compared to the amount of money, the amount of interest, the just every just the whole package combined of what you guys have over in the states and i just watch i just i'm just looking over there just in envy just like man i'd love to be at the arnold <laughs> it'd be so cool to to yeah. be at one of those events because it is like if you're interested in this it's it's like a big playground it's like a fucking meathead's wet dream the arnold and it's yeah. it's yeah it's just every, everything about it is just i wish that they would he would they would sort of someone would franchise it and bring it over to the uk and have that sort of thing here, but um, yeah, just uh, just looking at the time, Tony, we we're we're go for just a, a tad bit longer because I just wanted your views on a few things before we uh tie this one in. And it was uh, you said as well that you do like you you've had your experience. And, uh, you're in nutrition. asking as far as, I'm just uh, interested to know what your like, sort of what, what is, on nutrition the... is for performance based nutrition, anyway. Yeah, yeah. You know what? That's yeah. You know what? That yeah. That's let's have that. Um, what's what's your go to supplements? Um, you can tackle this from both ends. You could tackle this from a health, well being, vitality, longevity perspective, or you can t- tackle it from a more of a performance based um angle. I don't really mind what. So, or you can do both. Um, I have a couple. Of, yeah, uh, let's let's go. Let's go supplements. Of see, supplements I'm interested to know what. I don't have a lot of sports supplements I use because research, arsenal. you know, on sports supplements is not as amazing as we would think it is, or as as, as marketing would have us believe. But I mean, I you you know for for just regular vitamins and minerals, I I, I take a, a good, well balanced multivitamin. I take some extra vitamin D, which is also a hormone. Uh, a lot of people don't know vitamin D is a hormone. Uh, works in the immune system, respiratory system, uh, reproductive system. Uh, vitamin C, I take some extra vitamin C. Big, big fan of Linus Pauling Institute and some of the research they've done. Um, and so those are kind of my general vitamins. Uh, as far as joint health stuff, I've been taking glucosamine sulfate for for years, since I've since I'm about 20 years old. And you know, I, I've been x-rayed over the years. Uh, I'm a chiropractor. I've been to chiropractors and, you know, um, my, my joints are pretty good. They're pretty healthy. And uh, I do attribute a lot of it to, you know, eating clean exercise, but also, um, you know, some good supplementation like, like glucosamine sulfate. I think it does help. I know there's mixed reviews on some of the, um, some of the research, but I think the research on preventing degeneration is pretty good. And I think a lot of people look for it for pain relief. I don't use it for pain relief. It doesn't, it doesn't relieve pain. It, it's just, it helps preserve the joints. And so uh, that's one thing I use. Uh, big fan of fish oil. Uh, fish oil is great for inflammation. Um, it, it helps produce prostaglandins. Uh, I believe it's PGE2 is the one. Hopefully I'm getting the name right because there's a couple of, uh, couple of ones. One's pro-inflammatory, one's anti-inflammatory, but it increases the anti-inflammatory prostaglandin. A prostaglandin is like a hormone. It's like a hormone-like substance, a chemical messenger. And so, um, so fish oil is good for that, um, as well as a number of other things in your body, but, uh, and helping balance out some good cholesterol, things like that. Uh, let's see what else they use for inflammation. Uh, I use collagen protein. I become a big fan of collagen protein. I don't use a ton of it, but I put it in my, I have like a little uh, morning coffee mixture that I put a bunch of stuff into and uh, a scoop of collagen protein is in there. Um, some types of collagen are good for helping preserve joints. Some are good for skin. Um, again, the research isn't like overwhelming, but it's enough to where 
I feel like it does make a difference. And um, let me see what else for joints. I think that's the majority of stuff I use there. As far as like sports supplements, I can boil it down real, real easily. I use whey protein and that's to get just a good quality, fast uh, absorbing protein. And I'll use that once or twice a day. Uh, usually I target 30 to 40 grams per, you know, per um, ingestion. And uh, it's very high in branched chain amino acids, which are, which I'll talk about in a second, but that, that, that's a, a good source of branched chain amino acids as well as all the essential amino acids. Um, another thing I will use is um, bran- actually branched chain amino acids. And so I will put a scoop of branched chain amino acids in my, my, the water that I drink during my workout. And it's about six grams of branched chain amino acids. And um, I believe, oh, good question. I think it's three to 1.5 to 1.5. So leucine is three. Is there any particular uh, ratio? Any other than isoleucine and valine are 1.5 grams each. Uh, that's, the one I, that's the one I use now, but I think any similar formula would be good. Um, leucine, now all three increase protein synthesis, which again, we talked about that being important for repair. And, um, but leucine itself uses a different mechanism. It actually turns on the mTOR gene, which is a gene that will actually stimulate protein synthesis. So that, that when that gene gets turned on, it actually causes you to increase protein synthesis. And, uh, so I, I believe I feel branched chain amino acids are one of maybe even my top pick for sports supplements. Um, the third thing I use is, uh, just an essential amino acid formula. It's free form amino acids. It's made by, um, I want to say it's called body health. The name of the company It's called perfect aminos. And, um, yeah. And so, um, they actually, so here's something interesting. The, the, the formulation was developed by a company, um, oh, yeah, I, know, I, I know the name them, of the company, yeah. but it was an international research organization that developed this, this uh, amino acid called MAP, a master amino pattern. And they developed Yeah. 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 So, the, from what I, my understanding is, I was just is, about to ask you about that. I was literally, when, you, when we were talking so about amino acids, I'll give you my understanding of MAP. Please don't, you know, if, yeah, if, carry on, man. That's, I'm intrigued. My, Stuff is off a little bit. Again, I'm not into, I don't own those companies or have anything to do with them. But from what I've heard, here's what, here's what it is. So I did talk to the guys at MAP years ago. I used to use MAP. And um, they developed, I talked to the guy who helped develop it. And he said that, um, I think his name is Dr. Grandi. He was one of the head guys there. Dr. Grandi, if I'm correct, was his name. Real nice, super nice guy. I talked to him for a long time. And he said that they developed the master amino pattern to help patients that were in the hospital that had muscle wasting because they had digestive issues. So they couldn't ingest enough protein to increase enough protein synthesis. So their muscles would atrophy. And they found by giving them this, this formulation that it actually, it's, it stopped the muscle wasting and prevented the atrophy. And then eventually athletes started to, you know, they started to use it for athletes because they figured this stuff is going to increase protein synthesis and it became real popular. Um, uh, what I understand is the patent ran out and um, then uh, this other company, I believe Body Health, was able to make it. And my my understanding, again, is it's the same stuff and it's called Perfect Aminos. So I believe that those are identical, but, you know, again, I don't know. I don't have the secret formulation. So. 
but to, to, I've used them both. They're both amazing. I think they both work. Um, now, when I say amazing, we have to understand something. When we're talking about nutritional supplements. Amazing is like, hey, I got like a 2% increase, you know, or, or I was like 10% less sore or something like that. You know what I mean? Um, I think a lot of people, when they say, you know, and by the way, I'm, I'm a big proponent of creatine. I don't use creatine because it tends to bloat me. It does cause water retention. I don't like the feeling, um, but I have used it before. I don't currently use it. But creatine has a lot of good research. As long as your kidneys are healthy uh, and you drink a good amount of water, you should never have a problem taking creatine. Um, but it, it does have good research behind it as well. Um, but that's one of the things, even that, you know, even branched-chain aminos or, or creatine, things that have some pretty decent research to back them up, you know, you're getting small percentage increases, which if you're an athlete or you're an aging athlete like myself, you know, you, you need that little extra couple of percent. It makes a big difference. You know, but they are safe things. So, you know, a lot of times people use that stuff expecting to get the same result they get from using an anabolic steroid. And what I will tell you is two things, you know, you have two camps and, and I find both of these camps to be fl very flawed. You have one camp of scientists that say, well, there's no, there's no data to support the fact that steroids work. And my answer to that is um, just open your eyes. They absolutely work. <laughs> And um, then there's another camp that, that's very pro, you know, anabolic steroids, and they say there's no side effects, but that's also not true at all. And so, you know, the, and that's for the individual to decide if the risk is worth it and, you know, all that good stuff. You know, that's a whole conversation for another day. But that being said, the effects you get from those things are astronomically higher than anything you get from a nutritional supplement. However, the risk is the same. The, the risk is astronomically higher. So, um you know, and of course, it depends on what you use and how much you use. Everything's dose dependent and length of time dependent. You know, the risks increase as you use more things and more amount and for longer periods of time. But when it comes to nutritional stuff that I mentioned, all that stuff is really safe. And so I try to stick with the safe stuff and uh, hopefully preserve my longevity. That's that's one of my goals is to be able to do this stuff. You know, if I can be lifting kettlebells and maces, you know, in my 70s, maybe even 80s, I'm, I'll be happy. You know, if I can keep doing the stuff that I, I may not be lifting the same weight, <laughs> but if I can keep doing the stuff that I'm doing, that, that makes me happy, you know? Um, oh, one other thing I want to mention supplement wise, cause I think this is, this is a good, this is a golden item for like natural supplements. And again, we're talking about a small percent, but a percent that's very noticeable. I'm kind of a non-responder. I call myself a non-responder because I, when I take supplements that very few work for me. So things that work for me generally will work for a large percentage of the population because my body is very, I don't know, it just doesn't respond very well to a lot of things. And so um, I've used a product called ashwagandha. I don't know if you've heard of this one. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's an yeah, Ayurvedic herb. I've been using it forever, right? In Indian cultures. The, uh, uh, one of the proteins uh, that makes it. Uh, it's one of the and, main ingredients. Trust um, me, it's, it is there's, there's amazing right? research behind that. Like I read a bunch of research. It, it lowers stress levels. It lowers anxiety. But then they even quantified it because some of that could be subjective, right? They quantified it. It actually lowers cortisol levels. And cortisol is a stress hormone that can, in, in excess, can, can wreak havoc on the body. You know, and my understanding is, you know, you need, a, you need a proper balance of your testosterone cortisol ratio because cortisol being a steroid can compete with binding uh, of testosterone. So if you're making enough testosterone, but you've got this high cortisol level, it'll actually inhibit the function of testosterone in creating that anabolism and increasing that protein synthesis for repair, recovery, 
you know, gains of strength, you know, whatever, whatever the, you know, whatever the goals are. And so ashwagandha I have found really helps my recovery. And I really think it has a lot to do with that lowering of the cortisol levels. So absolutely. If you got that in your product, that thing, that is gold right there. That stuff is gold. As far as far as a natural supplement, that stuff is, is gold. Yeah, I came across it like it was one it's it was one of the when I was formulating the product, I was I the ashwagandha was like one of the key ingredients that I wanted. It's I've got yeah, I I love looking into to different sort yes, of yeah. herbal traditions, be that Ayurveda, be that sort of traditional um Chinese medical herbs and but ashwagandha it's it's the withanolides. The withanolides are like the the uh the group of yeah the group of flavonoids in it that gives it like the adaptogenic properties and there it's it's crazy because you you wouldn't expect it that's just a a herb yeah a something that grows out of, out of the ground would have such profound effects on us physically like you if you like uh, if you take like say 10 10 grams which is fucking mega dose to be fair and it might take a little bit of uh bit some a brave soul to be able to drink 10 grams of it and ju- to be able to stomach it but 10 grams for a few days of ashwagandha that it will uh you'd feel it you're gonna feel like you're gonna like i think man i don't want to slaughter this but i'm pretty sure this is correct that ashwagandha like the the original sanskrit word for it translates into vigor of a horse or smell of a horse because it's supposedly, ter- yeah, it's like it, gi- it gives you that sort of like stallion energy. And it literally is. It's like an aphrodisiac. It's uh, It boosts the libido, boosts the testosterone. Like you said, it has the effect of modulating the cortisol response. It's uh, such a great one to use, man. And for everyone that's listening, hey, try out the Vitruvian Protein with it in the uh, the product we sell. If not, then go ahead and grab yourself. Uh, Ashwagandha is becoming more and more popular now and you can buy it in for a reasonable price, uh, pretty good quantities as well. Um, it really is a powerful uh, supplement indeed, man. I'm happy that you brought that up. And it's actually, you know, man, it's strange, Tony, that you brought that up. Anything, when you, any, any of those I don't know what like it said, is, but when you said, help, I've got one more thing to say, you know, there was like a little the, voice in the back you know, of my head. decade or two that are going to really help us as, you know, yeah, as we're especially, you know, I don't know how old you are, but as we're getting older, it doesn't matter what age you're at. We're not, we're, I don't think you're 21, but mo- most of us are not 21 anymore. <laughs> and, uh, oh, you're young. Man. 25, uh, you're, you're a peak, man. You're, 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 you're in your peak. You're good. I'm a little jealous. <laughs> yeah, I'm 25. Hey, yeah, I'm that, those on, Tony, things like that, on. I just think are, uh, <laughs> Man, like I said, it, it's it's when it, in in reference to supplements, it's pure gold. Because I got to tell you, I, I I stick with the natural stuff, but I have probably tried you know a hundred different things over the years, and uh, you know I may be a non-responder, so maybe I don't respond as well as some people to uh, a lot of the products. But yeah, I've been very unimpressed with the majority of things I've tried over the years. But that is definitely that one branch chain aminos, the perfect aminos. These these types of things are. You know, it's, it's stuff that I think, um, honestly, I think any athlete should be taking. That's just my, it's my opinion. You know, I don't, I don't sell the stuff, but I know you have a product there. It sounds like it's a good product. Um, but yeah, that stuff is, is essential for the athlete. 
I haven't. Um, I, I have, uh, yeah, I know some individuals sure, that Just have, out of interest, um, um, I'm guessing you have done a little bit of research. There's not a ton natural. of information uh, or as much information out there as we would hope, uh, which is part of the problem, you know, and a lot of it comes from, I'm not, not going to name any websites cause I don't want to bash anybody, but there's a couple of websites that promote a lot of stuff and they promote it as if it's, you know, research and it's not. And uh, so there's a lot of bad information out there, but that being said, some of the information I found is, is, is a little concerning. Um, I've known some people that have used it. Uh, I'll give you one, you know, I'm going to call it a case study. I didn't create a case study from it, but it's, uh, somebody that I know, uh, tried, tried one and, um, I think it was Osterine and, uh, he smart dude, he did some blood work and then tried Osterine, went on a six week cycle of Osterine felt amazing. So I'm not going to lie. His, his, uh, he reported how great he felt, went back and tested his uh, blood work again, and his cholesterol was all wonky. Um, I think his, uh, his HDLs, which is your good cholesterol, technically it's a lipoprotein, but your good, you know, quote unquote cholesterol, um, it dropped from like 55 down to 20, which is significantly, it's a significant drop. And uh, HDL is cardioprotective. It's what protects you, your heart and your, you know, your blood vessels. and um, so, uh, you know, that's just one thing, you know, to quantify, you know, this, this, I just think, and then from, from other research that I've read, it's going to have very similar effects to some of the side effects to your general anabolic steroids. Again, I'm not the expert on that. What being you asked, I'm just giving you my take on it, my experience, things I've read about it. Um, I, I would be, I would, I would, I would urge caution when it comes to those. Especially for guys like you. I mean, you're 25, man. You're you're at like you're at the peak. I say, listen, if guys are gonna dabble in stuff, dabble when your shit starts to go down, you know? <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm not talking about like physically, like you're you're I'm talking about when you're when your testosterone starts to decline, you know, um, things like that. If you you know, if you feel like it's worth it to try things. But yeah, you're you're at you're at peak anabolic. I know I know I've known some young athletes and this is kind of a sort of a frustration for me. I've known some young athletes that I've tried to urge to stay natural and they didn't and it, it crashed their testosterone. And, uh, you know, when they went off the steroids, their testosterone was like a 70 year old man. And, uh, you know, the problem with that is, I mean, it, they're young enough where if they just left it alone, it'll probably come back, but they don't. <laughs> and so they just, they, they perpetuate this pattern now where now they're on stuff. You're talking about a 23 year old guy, you know, on stuff. It's like, well, there's no reason for that. You shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't have to be on testosterone replacement at 23 years old. And so, um, you know, stuff like that. I just, uh, I caution against it. You know, again, for me, I come from the health perspective and I just want to help people have better longevity, you know? Yeah, that's fair enough, man. I mean, you you see it in like obviously the sport that everyone associates steroids with, or PEDs, performance enhancing drugs, whatever. Even though they are different, uh, is obviously bodybuilding. Obviously, bodybuilding yeah. you are just going to the gym, so it's like meh. But compared, like one of the things where you're starting to see the effects of steroids on a high performance athlete is in MMA. So you can see like a lot of the guys that are in their sort of late 30s, 40s now that were at the that were in their prime 
when the sport was a lot bit more of a wild wild west show and you could uh you could you could get away with a few uh with a few under the table dealings and um you see them now and they're all on trt they're all like really shadows of their former self and you it's like it re- it really does like you can get away with it for a short period of time but then yeah it will your endocrine system's just going to crash and if you're not taking which they probably wasn't back in the day because the knowledge wasn't there the necess- the sort of essential precautionary measures when taking these substances then you are going to inevitably run into a few uh into a few brick walls as you begin to age and you're going to feel it a lot more. I mean, aging in general is obviously you're going to feel it, but then if you have that on top of it, it just adds the, an extra force of impact of you hitting that brick wall. And it's just intriguing to see some of the fighters now that are in their late thirties that now that the sport's more clean and there's much more doping, um, more emphasis on doping or anti-doping even, uh, you can see how their bodies have just changed, like dramatically, drastically changed yeah. from uh, aging has a, a part to play as well, but j- you can see who was on it and who wasn't on it. And it's a, it's it's just interesting, man. I just wanted to know what your opinion was on the Psalms. Like every so often when I'm talking to people within this sort of field, I always ask just to see what their opinion is. Cause obviously creating supplements myself, like, that is what I do. I formulate shit for right. the brand, for my brand. Well, and and I'm always just, I'm always trying I'm, things, always testing oh, say, things. For the I'm record, always looking you know, for I, I don't new things to, to make it, you know? and like, self experiment kind of with to see how this would work. Like, how I don't that like the work. fact that they vilify and, Lance Armstrong. Yeah, yeah I went for so a, the other 16 people in a top. Go ahead, man. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I think, I think it was number, actually, I think number 17 would have come in first if you took the first clean guy, you know, in that particular race that he got ratted out for. And so, like, you know, I'm not, I'm not pro, like, hey, do what you do, you know, yay. Yeah, so, like, yeah, so don't vilify the one guy when, when all the other guys are doing it, you know. And I'll be honest with you, nobody paid me, you know, as far as football players, but nobody paid me $10 million. So I'm not judging if, you know, people make the decision, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a cost-benefit ratio, right? You got to see if it's worth it to do that. And uh, so I'm not judging it, you know. I just – I always try and come from a health standpoint. And, you know, my understanding of physiology – is we have these negative feedback systems. When our body makes enough of it, we stop making it. So if I start injecting something and I've got massive amounts of testosterone, my body's going to stop making it. Now, will that come back? Maybe. You know, and, and, and again, it's dose, length, time, everything dependent. And so I just try and take it from a, from a health mindset. You know, again, you know, the athletes that I'm coaching, they're, they're not being offered $10 million to play football either. I'm still going to give them the same recommendation. I'll be completely honest with you. <laughs> but that's because for me, I come from a healthcare profession. My, my primary goal is their health. And so I want to see them healthy and, uh, you know, also succeed. But that's going to be a secondary. So. Yeah, dude. And there's, like I said, there's so, there's so many other influence and factors within the equation of health as well. I mean, as much as the supplements you're taking, lifestyle factors, environmental factors, diet, what do you like drug intake, electromagnetic, um, radiation, like how, like just so, so many things that can affect you on a, on a health level on, 
on a deeper than health level even and yeah just taking some of these things is just like playing russian roulette when you already got pretty much the whole gun loaded anyway so yeah tony i'm just uh i think we're cool this one quits because i know that you got to be gone in a few minutes so uh i just want to say again man for massive thank you for coming on and for everybody that's uh really enjoyed today tony yeah, where uh, can the best uh, guys find is some be, more of you if you've got uh, your social Instagram, media handles uh, a website doc, where can they contact you if they want to sort of get in touch um, and uh, you can talk to you directly there, or you even can, work uh, alongside you, know, you work with you whatever there. it's going to be igtv videos i've got right you know short videos on there um i do have i, I don't post uh, much stuff on there anymore but i do have about 169 videos on youtube and that's actually weightlifting doc as well but it's uh, weightlifting space doc and so you can find that channel as well if you want to watch a bunch of the uh instructional videos i have on there different workouts some nutritional pieces that i posted on there so there's quite a bit of information it's all it's all free content and um you know if people are interested in checking that out uh that's uh, that's why i love to do it. i love to teach and, and share some of that stuff so i appreciate you inviting me on chris it's uh, it's been fun having it having a chat hopefully uh uh you and your audience uh you know Got, got a little bit out of some of the stuff I shared today. All right, man. Yeah, for sure, Tony. I really enjoyed it, man. And I was, uh, like I said, I was wanting to talk to you for a while and uh, get this get this sorted because yeah i really value your work and content that you put out there and it's a, I, I, it's I an a interesting friend, perspective I mine, and i like uh, the, the, who, the geeky science he's like hey man when you did that physics it, thing i thought uh, you're gonna put the formulas <laughs> in there I'm like, it's not for everyone if, some if people might go over your head in, but i wouldn't I'm have down, anybody down with looking at this so i like that sort of shit man and i appreciate it yeah i i guess i should do it all right Mate, put the formulas in, Tony. Trust, there's people out there like me. There's people out there like your mate who wants to see that shit. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, thanks again for coming on, Tony. And, guys, hopefully you enjoyed this one. Gave you a little bit of a fitness treat this time. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what the next episode's going to bring. It might be fitness. It might be spiritual. It might be conspiracy. We will see how things go indeed. But again, as always, guys, stay woke as fuck. And I'll catch you on the next episode.